Hi, it's Dragonfly here for my second podcast installment. Um, I was going to try to think of something fun to do, but then I realized what time of the year this was and what week it was, period. And I think we all have that realization when it comes to grief. We remember that day. We remember exactly what was happening. We remember exactly what we were doing when we got news. We end up with it etched in our brain forever. Period. Um, Grief is a really hard subject to tackle because it brings up so much in so many people. My first ever experience with death was my grandfather. Um, I was too young to really remember much about him other than he was huge. He was big. He was scary. He was, he was an, this, this towering figure over me, but that's all I remember. I was not allowed to go to his funeral. I was too young. So everything after that was just kind of weird. He wasn't there. There was an empty space. But you're a kid and you just, you go on. Kids are resilient. They, they tend to get through things. But when you're an adult and you lose either a child or a parent, it, it really hits a lot deeper than you ever remember. I remember kids in school passing away suddenly in their sleep and us being told that they were, you know, they weren't coming back to school. And it affected us, but not in the way that it does an adult. Um, Teenagers losing parents too young can have that trauma haunt them for the rest of their lives, depending on how the parent died. Um, I think grief and the way we hold on to it really depends on the situation in which the grief was delivered or given to us. Um, my mom was killed in a car accident on October 2nd, 1996, and she had just turned 50 on September 7th. When it came time for me to turn 50 years old, I had a bit of an emotional crisis. I freaked out. I thought I was going to follow in her footsteps. A lot of our lives had paralleled um, different similar coincidences, so to speak. Um... I moved away just before my 50th birthday. So did she. I almost lost everything at a point right before I was 50. So did she. We were both dealing with a a certain level of depression at the time. And I spent months prior to her, to my 50th birthday, worrying and stressing and freaking out because I thought I was going to die too. I knew that the reality of it was I probably wasn't going to, but for some reason, I just thought I was going to go too. 
and I wasn't going to see 50 either. Or I was going to see 50, but it wasn't going to be long. So we hold on to weird things when it comes to grief. I've never really followed those stages of grief. I mean, I get them and I, and I, you can, you can see them in you, you know, the rage, the bargaining, the acceptance, the whatever, but grief doesn't ever really go away. It can vary in its levels depending on what you're doing at the time when you're supposed to grieve. I always like to say that, that, I don't ever have a problem with the grief throughout the year. It's only at the significant points in time that are attached to significant memories that I have a problem with grief. Her birthday, the day she died, Christmas, Mother's Day. Those are days in which, depending on where I am and what I'm doing, it can hit me harder than any other part of the year. Friday is October 2nd. It marks 24 years of her being gone. I was so busy trying to put this podcast out and trying to figure out what path I was going on and I was distracted enough that I didn't realize that it was coming up until this week. And then it hits you. And you don't know what to do with it. I could be sitting here doing absolutely nothing, reading a book, learning about all kinds of wonderful new things, and I will look up and look at her picture and start absolutely bawling. Other times, I'll look up at her picture and I'll remember something stupid that she did. Something weird. Something that her quirky personality, just only she could make me giggle like that. My mom used to... Uh, She's such a goofball. She used to do a lot of amazing, fun things that I really miss. And I don't see very often anymore. Um, Christmas will always be my favorite holiday because of her. She always made Christmas absolutely fun, no matter what was going on. It didn't matter. She could have been unemployed. We could be on our last penny, but she found a way to make Christmas one of the most magical times of the, the year. She would decorate like crazy. She would booby trap presents. She would lie like a bandit from just before Thanksgiving. Actually, no, more like first part of October until after Christmas. You couldn't believe a damn thing she said. You could tell her the sky was blue and she'd tell you, nope, it was purple. She had my brother believing that he was going to get a Barbie doll for his 14th birthday. He was absolutely devastated. It was actually a mismarked package and it was my curling iron. She would booby trap presents 
put batteries in things that made noise so that they would make weird noise under the tree if you moved the box. Freak out. Um, she would play hot and cold with you. She would hide presents in ornaments, inside the ornaments, on the tree. And she would play hot and cold until you found it. Drove me nuts. She would miss go in a room to um, wrap presents. And I remember one time I came in, you know, because I was hoping to catch a peek of something. And I, I made the, the excuse that I needed to ask her something. So it's like, can I come in for a minute? She comes in and she just finished wrapping. I'm like, well, who's that for? Oh, it's for your brother. She wrote the tag out and stuck it on the box. And, you know, I asked my question and she came out the room with me with all the presents wrapped and put everything under the tree. And when it came time to open presents Christmas morning, my brother went to open that box. And it was a pair of boots that obviously were not for him. She had actually forgotten to fix the tag. She had put it on there just because I was being nosy. The look on his face was actually priceless. I think the look on mine was probably even better because I was so disappointed. That was the last present under the tree and I had not gotten the boots I'd asked for. Uh, it kind of ran in the family though. My uncle, um, the man who married her sister, my aunt Ponch, he had a thing about putting presents in food. He would wrap, he wrapped a, a, a DVD, tells you how old I am, a DVD and a Rice Krispie Treat. Um, he once gave my mother and her sister's earrings, beautiful earrings, but he put them in a jar of jelly and then handed them to her with, handed the jar of jelly to them with a loaf of bread. Period. So this is the kind of stuff that I came, I, I grew up with. I grew up with silly. I grew up with fun. I grew up with um, her making stupid faces. And I see that. I see that in my kid. Every time I look at the wall and look at her picture, I get visuals of her just being silly. I see a lot of her in me. Let me tell you, when you become an adult, the first time that shows up, it's really scary. The first time you you open your mouth and you say something to your child and it's your mother's voice coming out is just really disconcerting, but it's comforting at the same time, especially if your mom wasn't there. And I lost my mom two weeks before I got pregnant with my son. I had been told when I was 18 that I wouldn't be able to carry a child, that if I got pregnant, I wouldn't carry to term. Um, I had a lot of scar tissue on my cervix from a previous issue. So I spent most of my life really resigned to not having children. And then my mom was killed in a car accident. And I got pregnant two weeks later. I always felt that it was a gift from her, that he was a gift that she sent him because she was always afraid that I would be alone or that I would live the rest of my life alone because of the way my life had gone 
to that point. Um, she was always worried that I would, I would disappear in isolation, I think, um, without someone to help pull me out. I was always, I always thought I was an extrovert. I always thought that I just thrived being the center of attention. But when I got older and went to school and started studying psychology, I realized that it was actually the exact opposite. I did what I thought was expected of me, and I did it all to try to get acceptance from people, to get people to like me, to want to hang out with me, to want to do things. I figured if I was the comedian or if I, I was goofy or danced or made, you know, made them smile, then they would want to be my friend or they would stop teasing me about my weight or being different. So a lot of different things attached to my becoming a mom. I, I, I knew deep down that, that he was a gift because she did, she always worried about me about that. Um, but I never, I never had her there physically to help me with him. Um, I couldn't pick up the phone and call and say, Hey mom, <laughs> and my kids shitting all over the place. What do I do? Hey mom, he's acting like the exorcist. He's puking all over the bed. What do I do? Mom, he just got his first tooth. He said his first words. None of that. I had none of that. And it sucked. It sucked a lot. But when he was two years old, I moved into the apartment that I had spent most of my life in with her. Just by... I always thought it was chance. I think it was more fate and more her giving me a tool to help me raise my son the way she and and to have access to experiences that would help me along the way moving into that apartment being within those walls and remembering all the things that she did or reacted with when I would make a mistake or do something wrong. They were all there. The walls spoke in such a way that it actually felt like she was physically there. And it, it was amazing. We were only there for a couple years, but just those couple years of being in that familiarity and having those those ghosts was probably the best thing that could have happened because I had something to go on. I had something to build off of because I had memories and I remembered that I had memories. So when you go through life, remember the memories. Don't lose them. Because they're going to help you get through some of the hardest times of your life. So, 
unfortunately, we had to move from there when my son was, uh, I think, four. And we ended up moving to Fullerton in with a wonderful family um, that kind of helped us out of a really dark pit. Um, I started college at that point. I had decided that I was done. I was done pretending that being a hairdresser was going to be able to support myself and my son in this world. Um, it just, I, I wanted more for him. So I went back to school. And I remember my mom always wanting, she started going back to school before she moved up north. Uh, she became a notary public. But she, she always wanted me to go past cosmetology and be more than just a, a hairdresser. But she always also knew that I wasn't a very good student, at least not back then. I barely made it out of high school. Um, but I mean, I barely made it out of high school. I never saw myself going to college. So when I decided to go to college, it was, yeah. I actually started before I moved to Fullerton. Um, as soon as my son was two years old and potty trained, he was able to go into the daycare center at El Camino College in Torrance. And I started there. And then within that year, I had to move to Fullerton. I commuted to El Camino for a while um, until I was able to finish the semester and transfer to Fullerton Community College. But my mom has been with me every step of the way Every, every decision I make, I hear her voice in my head. Every tough thing I have to go through, it's her I look to. It's her way of doing things that I would look at. She was a Virgo. She was very neat. She was extremely prompt, if not early, all the time. Taught me those skills, which is good, because, boy, have I needed them in the past. But just having those couple years back in that apartment really helped build a more solid emotional foundation for me as a parent, because I was able to tap into that those memory, that memory energy that we lose as adults sometimes, especially if there's a lot of time that goes between a death and the memory or the need of the memory. It's been 24 years now that she's been gone. And I swear to God, it feels like it's been two, sometimes yesterday. Um, and it's, uh, grief is different for different relationships with people. My mother's death devastated me. It still has a very profound emotional and mental effect on me. 
um, because of our relationship, because of how close we were, and because of the fact that I never got to see her that last time, Thanksgiving will never be a holiday that I choose to celebrate because I was supposed to be there that Thanksgiving. My best friend's mom was going to drive me to her house in Chino or in Paradise up near Chico when she picked up my best friend for Thanksgiving so that I could go see my mom. It had been over a year. And it didn't happen. She didn't make it. And I never got to go. And I think that disconnect, that sudden cutoff, never went away. And I've never really been able to exercise it from my, my mental, emotional trunk of crap I it's the one thing that, that I will always regret that I never got to see her one last time um, I was looking forward to that trip so much I could not wait I was so excited and then it was gone My father passed away a little over a year, almost two years ago. And I didn't have nearly the same reaction. Grief is weird. Because when my mom died, I'd wished it was him. I hate to say that out loud. I know that sounds horrible, but I didn't have the same relationship with him that I had with her. I didn't feel the connection, the loss, like I did with her. We, my father and I have a very rocky and, and emotionally unstable relationship, which is a whole nother podcast. But the connection and, and the, the level or, or type of relationship when dealing with grief, especially in death, not just grief of a loss of something, whether it be a job or, or, or whatever, but a death, it's different for different people. And my grief for my mother was far greater than my grief for my father. I felt guilty for wishing it was my dad that was that had died instead of my mom that my mom could have had those extra 23 years that my dad did with me and my son but when my dad died I wasn't I was angry I was mad because he got to he got to just go to sleep my mom was killed in a really violent car accident I never, because of the type of person I saw my dad as versus the type of person I saw my mother as, in my perspective, 
I had these feelings of conflict that were just huge. And it, it really fucked with my head for a while. I'm, I'm a lot better now. I've, I've talked to some people. I've, I've kind of worked through it. But when you're dealing with grief, sometimes things aren't separate. And sometimes things are, are deeper and stronger and harder to let go of because of the depth of the relationship with the person who passed. Losing a child is said to be the most stressful life event anyone could possibly go through with the exception of birth, giving and or being born. And I don't, I think it's more the, the being born because my grief and my pain from losing my mother far surpassed the physical pain of having my child. Anyway, so it's a really big hole grief is and I could fall down into it for hours and and talk about all this stuff but because of the time frame and when this landed in my lap I I, I thought I would share my feelings about grief and and the few little stories about my mom kind of as a as a tribute to her because she has been my catalyst for learning for my entire college and educational career when i go to pick classes when i go to or things get hard it's it's her i think about whenever I have to tackle a theory or or practice searching for for a meaning of something I can almost always find a connection within my relationship with my mother I can almost find an example of any question in my life with my mom. And that's comforting. It's encouraging. It's supporting. She would be my biggest cheerleader. She would be screaming at me from the stands. Woo, Dana, go for it. Yay, good for you. I hear her in my head. God, I wish I could hear that voice in my ears. For real. I know she's with me all the time. I feel her spirit. But man, I wish I could just give her a hug. A friend told me a while back that I needed to change the energy 
on the days that I used to always be sad on her birthday, the, the day she died, and that I should change that energy of sadness to a happy energy or a more positive energy. So a few years ago when I moved up here to Washington, I started going to a rodeo because it always landed on her birthday. And I would always go to the rodeo on her birthday or for the last couple of years, always time. Um, so that worked for a couple of years. Unfortunately, last year, halfway through the rodeo, um, lightning decided to strike the fairgrounds, um, because we were having a really gnarly electrical storm and they actually evacuated us and shut us down. So that was interesting. Although mom probably would have loved it because it was, it was exciting and different. Um, unfortunately this year, the county fair didn't even happen because of COVID that made it a bit harder to be happy on that day. I did it anyway. I went, I went for a walk. I, you know, I kept her in my thoughts, but it wasn't the same as being able to go and do something that she would have done something fun. Um, she had her past life regression done when she was younger and she got a kick out of the fact that apparently one of her lives was a cowboy, but he was a cowboy that was drug off a cliff by her own horse. And she thought that was just hysterical and loved it. Told that story to anybody who would listen. She loved country music. She loved cowboys. She liked rodeos. So that's kind of where I put my focus when I try to think of happier things with her. But when it comes to the day she died, that's a harder one to make positive. That's a harder one to turn into a yay, this is great kind of day. How do you do that? I mean, she was literally ripped out of my life by some idiot in a car deciding to test drive to see if he'd fixed his brakes or not. You don't go down a big-ass fucking hill if you don't know if your brakes are not going to work or not. Well, they didn't. Actually, the brakes were working. It was the accelerator that apparently stuck. I don't know. It... Anyway, so when the guy hit her car, he literally tore her car in half and ejected her from it. A witness told me that they would have been hit by, they would have then been hit by the car that hit my mother if something hadn't pushed her arm and moved them out of the way. She was a firm, absolutely firm in her belief that that was my mom's spirit and that my mom pushed her out of the way to save her and her partner because that car was headed right for them too. So this year I tried to remember that and I tried to remember that part of this, part of my podcast, part of this new path is to get back to my spiritual journey I was on a long time ago. And, and that is one of belief 
And that is one of, of understanding the higher powers and the energies of our world and the way things are kind of, I don't know, universal in, in spirit, in my opinion. I absolutely believe that my mom probably saved that woman's life. I, I, I do. But it doesn't take away from the fact that she was taken from mine. I was given a beautiful boy. I'm pretty sure, like I said earlier, that, that he was a gift from my mother. He reminds me every day just how amazing that child-parent relationship can be. I wish he could have known her. I wish he could have experienced her goofiness, her, her cooking, and not secondhand because I cooked her recipes, but her cooking. Because I truly believe that hers was better because of the type of love she put in it. Um... I have to work on Friday and I'm not looking forward to it because I never know how this is going to affect me till the day. I'm hoping that by being at work, I'll have a little bit of a distraction, but that's also the other reason why I decided to bear my soul and share my relationship with my mother, with you all and share the grief and pain of her passing because I'm pretty sure that there are a whole lot of you out there listening that knows exactly how I feel and can absolutely understand every emotion out there that I'm putting out there. I hope that listening, it helps you put into perspective your own grief and how it's different for everybody and that you shouldn't criticize yourself or allow anybody else to criticize how you express it. Your grief is yours. It belongs to no one else. What you do with it makes a difference because it can affect other people, but it's still yours. You either learn how to deal with it so that you can move on with your life and get through your life, even on those days when it smacks you right in the face or you get stuck. And I don't want anybody to get stuck because being stuck is not a good place to be. Everybody dies. Everybody grieves. Everybody's different. 
we should not expect everyone to deal with it, handle it the same way. It's not possible. But maybe by hearing somebody else's story, it'll resonate and give you a little bit of perspective to make changes to the way you deal with grief or to maybe understand why you deal with grief the way you do. All right. I think that's going to be enough for today. I love you all. Thank you for listening.